The scripture today, reading from Matthew 23, 1 through 4. Pharisee exposed. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Sometimes my nose is a little more moisture than I care to have. I'm going to read, let's start out here with Matthew, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 7. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their placeries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats at the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. This lesson is about the Pharisees and the scribes. It's about play acting. Uh, You know, in your lifetime, have you known someone who was pretending? Have you you ever noticed sometimes that they are so easy to spot and we say, that's a phony. And that's true. That's what Jesus did to the scribes and the Pharisees. And it wasn't just them. I'm going to go through some of this. Let's talk about the Pharisees. We see that word used a lot. The Pharisees. These were mostly middle-class people. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels. And they placed their traditions, and here's important to remember, they placed their traditions to be as important and even more so than the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch, if you have to ask, is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In that, you will find the old law. You will find God telling people how to conduct their lives. You will tell in God, uh, God is telling them how to set up their lives and what to do. There's a lot of really neat things in there. A lot of neat things. For example, God is wise, God is wise, right? And in his infinite level of wisdom, he told the people, when you have a male child who is born, Do not circumcise that child until the eighth day. There may be some people in here who have a medical background and would understand that, but let me tell you why God said that. When a child is born, they have no vitamin K. Vitamin K is a blood clotting factor that's in your blood. So until the eighth day of life, that factor is not present. That's why God said, do not circumcise that child until the eighth day. That's why God said that. God said unclean animals. He called pork unclean. And the reason he did is because pork, even today, can carry some pretty ugly diseases with them. I have to take a medication that is made from the pancreas of a pig. I have been assured that every possible caution has been taken so that there is no disease in this medication that I take. There still is that risk. 
I hope that nothing ever happens. But that's, this is not about me. This is about what God has said. So, see, when we go through those first five books of the Bible, the Old Testament, there's a lot of rules and regulations which we think, man, this is crazy. Why would he do that? But if you really look at it on the surface, you may not understand, but if you study it, you will come to understand what God is trying to tell his people, and he's trying to protect them. So now we come up all the way in, all the way through history. We're in the time of Jesus. Jesus comes after the end of what we call the, the silent years, 400 years. We have no record of any written transactions through God. Well, during those 400 years, the Jews took great effort to help God. They wrote all these huge books. There are several rabbis that have different thoughts about some of these things. So you have these huge volumes. One of them takes 12 volumes, huge volumes of all of these things that these rabbis over the 400 years have decided to do to help God. Do no work, God says, on the Sabbath. Well, what constitutes work? These guys were even, they said, don't spit on the ground because now the earth has to work to absorb that, that fluid. Does that make sense? Not to me. But these, these people did. So when Jesus is, now he's born and he's, he's spent, he's about 30 years old, he's going into his ministry and he's trying to work with people. Um, I remember years ago, I worked on a bus ministry, and we had a song, you know, love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. And that's what Jesus did. That's what he was about, was loving people. So now let's come to some of these folks that we're going to be talking about. Pharisees, mostly middle class, believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels. They placed their traditions equal to the Pentateuch or even more so, and we will touch on some of that later. There's, a, there's another group called the Sadducees. They, during the time of Christ in the New Testament era, the Sadducees were aristocrats, wealthy people. They tended to be wealthy and held powerful positions, including that of chief priests and high priests. And they held a majority of the 70 seats of the ruling council called the Sanhedrin, they didn't believe in the resurrection, and they were all destroyed in A.D. 70. Uh, I remember back when I was a young fellow, uh, a couple of guys were talking, and one of them was talking about the Sadducees. He said, well, you know, the Sadducees didn't believe in the res resurrection, therefore they were sad, you see. It took me a long time to understand that. I do better about that now. Let's talk about the scribes. These guys were, they copied the law. They copied these, these books, all of these things, and they knew what they said. Just like I have known people that can quote the Bible, literally, word for word, and yet they don't understand what it says. That was the scribes. Now, the Jewish people were, were fragmented, just like modern Christianity is today. There was a group called the Essenes. There's a group called the Maccabees. Uh, the Maccabees had this, this thing at AD 200, and they were finally destroyed by the Romans. There's some history behind that. Let me encourage you to read your Bible. 
let me encourage you to look up the Maccabees and read the history of them. Find out what they were about. But first of all, read your Bible. Make a plan. And every day, get in the Word. And it, when I say some things here, don't take my word for it. I want you to get into your Bible, and I want you to look and check it out and make sure what he said is actually in there. Because, folks, I'm going to say things that's in there. I'm not going to say something that's not in there. I will not do that. I believe in the Bible. I believe it is a pure and perfect document. Don't care what version you want to read of the Bible. That's okay, because they're 99%, 99 99.9%, like ivory soap, pure. It's going to be everything, and nothing, no version of the Bible that you can read, with a couple of exceptions where groups have decided they want their own Bible, so they rewrite it. But it doesn't affect your salvation. Salvation is in there. When Jesus was alive, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we need to remember that those four books were written while Jesus was under the old law. That's not new law. The new law was established and set up by Jesus. He's talking about these things to come. But until the resurrection, we didn't have the new covenant. When Jesus came out of that ground, a new creature, like we would come out a new creature when we're baptized in water. Is there something holy about that water in there? No. Nothing. That's not the blood of Jesus. It's our heart that changes us. And that's what this is, what Christianity is all about. We're a changed people. Anyway, these people, they're, they're splintered, just like modern Christianity. You ride, drive up and down the street, you'll find so different, many, many different names on buildings. And they believe so many different things. But they're not into the Word. They will read part of it. They won't read all of it. So that's what we need to be doing. Okay, Matthew 23. He talks about the seven woes is what I'm subtitled here. Verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Remember, the scribes know what's written. The Pharisees, these are the guys who are, they have placed themselves above the law above what God said. Hypocrites, he calls them. What's a hypocrite? I've been called a hypocrite just because I say I believe in Jesus Christ, and yet people don't understand that I believe in Jesus Christ, but I want my life to reflect that belief. I've known people who claim to be Christians, and yet you look at their lives six days of the week, there's no telling what they're going to do with their life. Uh, I won't even go into it, okay? Just that they're sinful people and they are not acting as Christians six days of the week. My Christianity doesn't begin the moment I walk in the doors of this building and end when I leave it. My Christianity I wear on my shoulders every day, every moment of my life. Woe to you, verse 13, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. But you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. You see, they put all of these rules and regulations that's not even in the, the Pentateuch, the five books of the Bible. They lay these things on these people. It says, for you, they devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, 
Okay, here's the pretending. Make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he has won, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. A proselyte is a, someone who is converted to Judaism. They would even convert uh, Gentiles. But th- they place themselves above these Gentiles. The court, the court, okay, where the temple was, they have the main temple structure. And then they have the, the inner court, what is called the inner court. And then there's the outer court. And proselytes were allowed to enter the outer court. But they were never allowed to enter the inner court. Only pure-blood Jews were allowed there. Even though they would convert these people, but they would say, well, you're not quite as good as the rest of us. You know, in Christianity, there's only one kind, saved, Christian. That's all there is. Verse 16 through 22. Woe to you, blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold in the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obligated, obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar, swear by it and all things on it. He who swears by the temple, swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Who dwells in the temple? That was supposed to be God's home. He would be present. Verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. These were, were, were spices, very expensive spices at times. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith, These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Nitpicking little things. Oh, you can't do that because that's not one of our traditions. Mark 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him, that is Jesus, when they had come to, from Jerusalem, had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. They weren't washing their hands. Okay. I don't guess you had to. I mean, I don't like to eat with dirty hands, but that's just me. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. For when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. 
neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of man. He was also saying to them, you are experts in setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. You remember, that's one of the Ten Commandments. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. That was a part of that. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such things as that. Jesus knew these people. He knew what they were doing, how they were converting others. He knew what they were acting like. He knew all of these things. Jesus had such great insight into people. Verse 27. Oh, let's go to verse 25. This is important. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. I knew a man one time. He's passed on. I won't tell you where or who. It's not important. I called this fellow one time. He was a businessman, and there was something I needed to discuss with him. I don't remember. And while I'm talking to him, his speech was slurred. He was at home, and he said to me, he said, it may sound like I've been drinking, but I'm not. I've been eating ice, therefore I'm not able to enunciate very well right now. It wasn't just a few days later, this fellow's car was found parked at a parking spot for a city commission meeting, and there was a trail of oil following his car all the way back to a stop sign that had been run over, which had punctured a hole in the oil pan of his car. And when he was located, he was inebriated. But he said, he got an attorney, by the way. He said, his attorney said, you can't prove that he was driving. Even he may be inebriated right now, but you don't know who was driving that car. Well, no, you can't prove it, but I know who was driving. He didn't let anybody drive his cars with him. So that's what, let's clean the inside of our cup, of our dish. Let's make sure that our lives <coughs> are wholesome. Let's make sure that we are doing the right things because we can't be a good example to people if they look at us and say, well, you claim to be one thing, but your life is different from that. So let's, let's think about these things. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs that indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. They were above the law. Even to the Romans, they were above the law. They could commit crimes. They could take women's widows' houses from them just because they weren't paying their temple tax, for example. So, you know, Jesus knows what there's, what's going on with them. Verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them of the blood of the prophets. 
Therefore you are witnesses against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt, serpents, root of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore indeed I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge. Sticky paper. Your scourge and your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that you may come all the right so you may come, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So Jesus is he is constantly after the scribes, the Pharisees, and others because of their lives. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees earned numerous rebukes from Jesus. Let's go to Luke 18, verse 9. And he also told us parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. How many times have we done that? Look at that person. Look what they've done. Oh, my goodness gracious. I would never do that. Well, so you might say, but where is your heart about all of that? Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Tax collectors were counted as sinners. Jesus feasted with a sinner. Zacchaeus, you remember that? Chief tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That sinner opened his heart to God asking for forgiveness. All of these guys, they thought they were somebody, while in reality, they were not. Look at Proverbs 12 and 9. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than to be pretend to be somebody and have no food. Proverbs 13 and 7. One person pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. Therefore to him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Let's be careful with our pride. There's an admonition, pride goeth before a fall. Jesus said, Matthew 23, 6, They love the best places at feast, the best seats in the synagogues. Be careful what you, because of what you think you may be. Luke 14, 9, so, If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. See, that's what Jesus is trying to tell these people. Don't put yourself above others. Put yourself below them. Uh, I, I can remember some years ago, 
I was selected to serve as an elder at a congregation back in New Mexico. And I served for a while with a group of men who had come to the realization that being an elder was not a title. It was not a prestige item. It is a very demanding, at times, position. And elders are not allowed to place themselves above other people. There's admonitions in the Bible about that. So at the time I was allowed to serve, and I tried to serve to the best of my ability, always with kindness and compassion for those around me. In Acts 9, we, we find the story of Saul, or Paul. He was justified. You remember, he's the guy who held the coats while they stoned Stephen. And on his way to Damascus, this light shines around him, and it blinds him, and he gets a scale on his eyes because he thinks he is justified by going out and trying to destroy Christians, trying to destroy the church. And Paul became the most prolific writer we have of the New Testament. James 5 and 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So now let's talk about our hearts. Let's talk about how we are. Do we struggle on a daily basis? Is our heart filled with good things, filled with God? See, this is where now the phrase, the rubber meets the road. If your heart is hurting, if your heart is empty because it's not filled with graciousness and love and peace and patience, then help us fill it. Come, let us pray for you. If you've not been buried with your Lord Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism, opportunity is here. The water is ready. It's available. Do not let the day pass by that you have said, I will wait until another day. Don't do that. Because there's no guarantee you will have tomorrow, much less this afternoon. I knew a fellow, a man who was raised differently. I'll just say it that way. Because I don't want to step on anyone's toes. He decided late in his life that he wanted to be buried with Jesus through the waters of baptism. His health was such that he was not even able to get himself out of a bed. He was in a hospital. And arrangements were made to take this man, to get him to a jacuzzi they had in the hospital. And he was buried with Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. A new creature lifted up out of the watery grave to live a life with God. The next day, he passed away. He almost waited too long. Do not wait. If there's some way that we can encourage you, if we can pray for you, if we can do anything for you, I would encourage you to please come 
as we all stand to sing the letter, the song that Chris has chosen for us. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the worth of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way. And I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the past of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. And I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Please be seated. song we have before we have our closing announcements and closing a prayer. Song 231. 231. Hilltops of Glory. I don't know if I sing this song a little bit differently, but I know how I've heard it before. I'm going to let it rip, so I just, just follow along. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, 231, Hilltops of Glory. <clears throat> Onward rejoicing, I tread life's way. Higher I'm climbing each passing day. Hilltops of glory now rise in view, where all shall be made new. Ta. I now can see. 
Oh, brother, won't you come go with me? It's safe on the mountain. I soon shall stand, hilltop of glory land. Way down in Egypt, mid burning sand, Moses had started for Canaan's land. Never turn backward, always ascend unto the journey's end. Hilltops of glory. Oh, brother, won't you come go with me? It's safe on the mountain. I soon shall stand, hilltops of glory land. Footsteps of Jesus before us lead. We tread life's journeys, his warnings heed. Evil allurements cannot prevail. We're on the upward trail. Hilltops of glory. Oh, brother, won't you come go with me? Safe on the mountain, I soon shall stand. Hilltop of glory land. Good morning. It's a way to let it rip, Chris. Good job. I have uh, one announcement, and then we'll have our closing prayer. How many of you have uh, been sick at home and or been on our prayer list? And, and um, you know, we, we tell you we're praying for you, and we are. But you don't really know, do you? You're not really sure. So we're going to start a new program. And um, it's called a prayer pager. It's this little, this little pager here. Make sure you pick up a bulletin on the front of your bulletin, on the left-hand side in the, you know, the, the ribbon there on the side. I think it's right above where the uh, topic for the um, sermon was. It'll say prayer pager, and it'll have a phone number. And the way this thing works is that we will give this to people that need our prayers, and they'll have it for, well, different amounts of times, you know, three, four days, five days, maybe a week. Um, and the first person that's going to get it is Joyce Bittekoffer. I'll get this to her today. And Joyce, if you're watching, she doesn't know she's going to get it, but she does now. She's going to kind of be our, our first one, and we'll work some of the bugs out. It'll probably have some bugs to work out. But here's the way it works. All you have to do, you got your part, and then we have the person that's got the pager part. All you, we, all of us, what we have to do is simply when we are saying our prayers, when we're thinking about it, and you pray for Joyce, then all you have to do is dial that number that's on the front of the bulletin, the prayer pager number. You dial it, and then it's very important. Now listen to this. You dial it, and then you wait. Don't ask me why, but you'll get a voice message, and it'll say, you know, leave a number or whatever message after the beep. When it beeps, beep. Now wait about five seconds, okay? And then you can hang up, 
or if you want, you can punch in your phone number, or, or there's a, uh, if you're real tech, I'm not, you can figure out how to leave a message if you want. Um, but all you have to do is dial the number, wait for the recording, wait for the beep, wait about five seconds, and then you can hang up. That's all you have to do. And then on the other end, once you do that, within about, oh, 30 seconds or so, Joyce or whoever has this, they will get a, a uh, sound. On, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but they'll get a sound, and it's kind of a chime. It'll go off four, five, six times, and that lets her know that somebody just prayed for her. And she doesn't have to do anything unless she wants to. She could get on there and look, and if they left a number, she could see who it was. Or, but, but she doesn't have to do anything. All she has to do is hear the chime and feel good and know that one of her brothers or sisters had just prayed for her. That sound simple enough? Prayer pager. Now, here's the, here's the important part. This will do no good if we don't call it, if we don't pray and call it. If I'm Joyce, and over the next four or five days I get one buzz here, that's not going to be real encouraging. But if I get 200 buzzes over the next few days, that's going to be pretty encouraging to her, I think. You can do it any time. You can do it, you know, 24-7, but don't do it when she's sleeping, probably. But if you're at work and you happen to think about Joyce, Say a prayer for her and call that number. Let her know that you prayed for her. And if all of us are doing that, she'll get a lot of buzzes off of this, and she will feel encouraged, and she'll know that uh, her brothers and sisters are thinking of her, are praying for her, and love her. And then we'll rotate it, you know, after four, five, six days, whatever. We'll get it to somebody else. All right. Sound good? Easy enough? There'll be some bugs, but we'll work them out. If we like it, we'll keep it going, and we'll do it. We'll get it. We'll get. We'll get really good at it. Maybe we'll add another one. If we don't like it, doesn't work well, then we'll just get rid of it. But I, I think this will be a good way for people to know that they're being prayed for, and it's an easy way, easy for us to do, easy for them. Okay. I'm gonna. I'll have this to her by this afternoon. Uh, so sometime this evening, maybe after six, feel free to call and, and you can do it as many times as you want. If you want to pray for it at six, you want to pray for it at 10, you want to pray in the morning at, at uh, nine, you know, pray as many times as you want, let her know you're praying. Okay. Okay. Um, we had, uh, we had two, uh, blue cards. One was uh, from Karen. She said, uh, pray for Keith. He's fighting a respiratory infection. Pray for his healing and for his strength. And the other one's from uh, Celia, who wants us to pray for Shannon and Emily and Alex as they are battling uh, problems where they live with drug cartels. So that sounds like a pretty serious thing. So let's uh, go to our Father in prayer. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship and adore you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. We pray that this worship service, Father, was pleasing to you. We pray that it 
held you up and glorified you, Father. We love you. And, Father, we pray that it was strengthening and edifying and, and, and helpful to all the saints that are here this morning. Father, we, we uh, don't know how to show our love to you. We just do the best that we can, and, but we hope that you know how much we love you. Father, we ask that you would be with Brother Shepherd, help him to get better, help him to feel better, and, and to be back to uh, his normal health soon. Father, we pray you would be with, the, uh, with Shannon and Emily and Alex that Celia has told us about, that you would protect them and watch over them, uh, keep them from any harm, from any cartels. Father, we uh, pray you'd be with all that are on our sick list. We pray uh, that you would be with, with Joyce and uh, that this new uh, program we have would be one that we'll, we will find to be really encouraging and, and helpful to people when they uh, are in situations that they need our prayers. Father, be with all those that are on the sick list, all those that Mike mentioned this morning. Uh, be with uh, all the works that we're trying to do here to build up the saints, to reach out to the lost and do the work that you've set before us. Father, we are so sorry when we sin. Father, we know that when we sin, we sin against you and you alone. And we are very sorrowful for that. We ask your forgiveness. And Father, help us to keep our hearts and our minds fixed on heaven. We look forward to when we can be in heaven with you for eternity. Father, watch over us. Uh, forgive us of our sins. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.